Welcome to CollegeCast for pharmacy practice news, views and updates brought to you by the Pharmaceutical Society of New Zealand. Join us to find out about tips and tools for immediate benefit to your practice and learn about current practice topics and innovations driving the future of pharmacy. So welcome to this podcast with Kerryana Brooking. We are at the PSNZ conference and based in Auckland today. Kiriana is the Deputy Director General of Health, Health System Improvement and Innovation at the Ministry of Health. Kiriana has extensive senior leadership and management experience in the health sector at primary, secondary and national levels. She is a former Chief Executive of the Gisborne-based Tūranganui Primary Health Organisation and former Deputy Chief Executive and Practice Services General Manager at the Midlands Health Network. She has also been the Planning and Funding Manager at Horora Tarawhiti. Kiriana has held several senior positions at the Ministry of Health since 2014, and she was a finalist in the 2018 Woman of Influence Awards. Welcome, Kiriana. Kia ora. Now, Kiriana, what do you see as the biggest challenges facing our health system right now? Well, I think there's actually plenty of challenges. Um, I mean, the ones that we've, we've known for a long time is that we are seeing larger and larger numbers of um, our population getting older, uh, having uh, long-term conditions that don't, don't or won't necessarily kill them, and um, at times getting those uh, long-term conditions far earlier. <clears throat> so while we've seen a, a general increase in life expectancy, we're now starting to think a lot more about healthy life expectancy. Uh, the uh, particularly in the older people, we're seeing a rising, and we'll continue to see a rising um, number of people with dementia and early onset of dementia. Um, we've seen in the northern hemisphere, less so in the southern hemisphere, a um, startling increase in the number of older people uh, with opioid addictions. So generally getting older, mm. um, living um, longer, better lives, mm. Uh, is something uh, that we all we all should be watching. I think, secondly, uh, for me, the variability of um, access and outcomes for populations around New Zealand, um, the whole notion of equity, is something that's an incredible challenge uh, for this country. I think for a long time we've known that a lot of uh, those outcomes have been um, unavoidable. And it's really got to the point where we need to accept they're also unjust and unfair. And so what might we do um, as a health and disability system that looks different and better uh, than, we are, um, than we are going about our business at the moment? I think the third um, area that um, I think about a lot is what I call the real... Um, geographical density and the real geographical isolation and then everything in between. Um, having worked for 11 years in, um, in Gisborne in the East Cape, I know what services look like in um, areas where there's a large geographical spread but very low numbers of population. And their expectations are so much lower and they shouldn't be about what they deserve um, in terms of um, fundamental health care. Uh, you can replicate that in the far north and um, 
West Southland. Then you've got uh, Auckland growing the rate of knots. Uh, we've got this very large corridor of growth um, in the Bay of Plenty. Uh, and we've got areas like central Otago growing in ways we hadn't imagined. And then if you take the bit in between, um, provincial New Zealand, so to speak, uh, people wouldn't have thought that we are struggling to get 24-7 uh, health services um, in areas that are on the main trunk line. They're not at the edges of New Zealand. And what does that mean? Um, because those New Zealanders um, want and deserve um, fundamental um, health services like those in the density areas and those in the far-flung areas. How do we get it right and what will we rely on in the future to ensure that? Um, there's also been a mental health inquiry where there have been, as you know, 10 recommendations. One is around giving people more access to services. What services do you think are needed? Mm -hmm. it's, it's, a, it's quite an interesting um, recommendation because I do think we have framed a lot of our um, thinking based on what the system thinks people need. <laughs> And I get a strong sense from the um, inquiry that they really want the system to be driven <laughs> by what yes. uh, people and their families think they need. And um, I tend to find when speaking with um, people and their families, they really do want that um, the simplicity of the um, right service delivered by the right person in the right way at the right time. However, there is a notion of individualism about that and there's also a notion of collectivism about that. So I do think um, if, you are, if you are a person or a whānau that are experiencing um, a large amount of um, concern and um, fragility and anxiety and stress as a result of a, a mental health end or addiction concern, you want it to be the easiest it possibly can be. Yeah. And um, for some people there is that notion of it being uh, reasonably close, face to face, with someone they know reasonably well, and that that continuity can continues. For others, they don't mind if it's um, virtual, um, if it's with someone they may not speak to again. Mm -hmm. So, so for me, I think we have to spend the next couple of years really concentrating on what the future will look like. The thing about the recommendation is we've got such a wide continuum of ways in which we could think about delivering services, not just in settings, but also how much of it is um, you know, early intervention, prevention, education, information, promotion, through to the very far end, um, very specialist um, services for very small um, populations, including things like forensic mental health. Uh, in a country of the, our size again, but you know, on uh, two long islands and then a, a spread of islands around it, um, it's really uh, hard to often look at some things that are um, have been successful in other parts of the world and immediately drop them into, um, into New Zealand. So I think we have got a mixture of what we would consider to be best practice um, activity that people are discovering, a lot of that consumer-led. Um, but also we really need to be thoughtful about uh, what's emerging practice 
and you know what's actually going to be created uh, from the co-design opportunities we've got in the next couple of years. Great, thank you. Another recommendation from the Mental Health Inquiry was around transforming the primary health sector. What do you think needs to happen to transform the primary health sector and what do you see as pharmacy's place in this? Yeah, I think that one of the things that really strongly came out of the Mental Health Inquiry was um, the people and their whānau were really looking for that mix of clinical and social support. That doesn't necessarily mean that one thing has to be provided by one person and the other thing has to be provided by another person. Um, And in fact, in my time in um, Gisborne and working uh, with uh, consumers of mental health services, often the the best and enduring relationship that they had was with their pharmacist. And so for me there is something about uh, what, um, what room we have for what the front door is of the person's choice uh, to make sure that they get the service that they um, want and need. So for me, I do think there is something about uh, the, the good old notion of I only have to tell my story once. Um, I want to be able to, um, I want people to be able to be uh, cognizant of both my uh, clinical and social needs. Uh, I want to be able to um, be supported around those kind of broader determinants of health that uh, for a lot of uh, people uh, with mental health and or addiction concerns really struggle uh, to get landed. Mm -hmm. Uh, So these are issues of employment and um, issues of education, issues of employment, issues of housing. Mm -hmm. And so who needs to be in their network and who drives their network is something that, that I absolutely believe sits in primary and community care. So um, for pharmacy, uh, what part will they play in um, some of that? Um, in some areas, would they like to play the lead? In other areas, would they like to play a support role? Mm. And um, how much of that uh, will we want to take on? Um, And I think it really does speak to the notion of integration and what integration will look like. And we speak about integration a lot, we speak about people-centred care a lot. Mm -hmm. I still don't think we've got the secret source right for either of them. Um, And if anyone needs it to be right, it's people with mental health and or addiction concerns. Definitely. Yep. Um, It's interesting when when you're talking about the the clinical versus social care seems to have been very much a theme this morning, both with um, Ravi Sharma, who's come over from RPS in the UK, um, plus someone in the Shark Tank today as well, where both were talking independently about the flexibility and the need for flexibility in in the system or for pharmacists in the system, because if you are going to someone's home, if you are going to the community, it's looking at what other social needs there are and, and where, you, where and how you direct them to what they need. Yeah, I think most people, uh, I believe, um, sit quite comfortably in that space. Mm. I mean, you know, another profession by example, um, my husband's a secondary school teacher and he would never classify himself only as an educationalist. Mm-hmm. For the entire length of his teaching career, he has had a you know, an ultimate pastoral care responsibility uh, for his um, uh, students. And, 
you can't um, uh, isolate or separate yourself from one or the other. Right. And um, in all my experiences um, with pharmacists, um, both in my role um, and as a person and a parent, um, they've never separated out mm. the two either. Uh, so I don't think we necessarily need to get too fussy about it. Mm -hmm. However, for some people, they are going to need more and more. And so how do we bridge the more and more? Um, and uh, it's not that we're asking uh, particularly any profession to do more than they can. Mm -hmm. um, it's actually about how do we make it easier for both um, the professions providers and the people in their whānau to get what they need. And my next question is about the health and disability system review that's taking place currently. Uh, can you tell me more about this and give us a summary? Yeah, I, to, to be completely honest, the, the Ministry of Health does sit uh, slightly separately from the review. So um, if you imagine we are actually with everybody else. Um, however, I do know that the uh, interim report is imminent. Um, it's likely to um, go to the Minister within the next, I think, week. Um, the Minister will consider it and then it's likely to be made um, public. I understand it's going to be a discussion document. Uh, I think there's around eight themes which they have heard predominantly uh, from, the, um, from the people who have submitted. Many, many people submitted uh, both uh, written submissions and uh, through conversations with the uh, panel, uh, areas they are interested in. I don't know all eight topics, but I imagine there has to be technology in there somewhere. Mm -hmm. I imagine that there has to be workforce in there somewhere. I imagine there has to be equity in there somewhere. Um, uh, choice or where we want to go with um, consumers uh, would will feature I understand that um, a lot of uh, people have put in submissions around uh, structural choice uh, and also around um, what I would call uh, how the market works because we do we are very much a private um, public uh, mix of services across um, all the different parts of the health and disability system in New Zealand. Um, I don't have a clear view where um, they're going to get to, but I do, um, I do know that uh, when that document comes out, uh, there'll be people who will clearly see uh, that their um, feedback or their thinking has been represented, and then there's a whole another wave of uh, consultation and submission that's going to occur uh, between now and the end of the year for people to get further um, information in to be considered. Now in your plenary session, um, that's coming up very soon, um, you'll be discussing the need for a more integrated approach to delivering services. What do you think that'll look like? Ay ay ay. I mean I've been in health since 2001 and the, the notion of integration is as elusive uh, today as it was then. Uh, it feels to me alongside um, equity and people-centred care is the holy grail of uh, what we want um, to be different and better about the health and disability system. I see, I see fantastic examples of 
um, integration in uh, in different parts of um, New Zealand, but not replicated across all parts of New Zealand. I see integration through necessity. I see integration through um, cultural and, and behaviour change. So it's not that anyone has changed any part of the system. Anyone's changed any part of the funding or the contract. They've just worked out how to make it work. Mm. Uh, but the real notion of, I suppose, um, moving into what um, my colleague Martin Chadwick, Chadwick calls the transdisciplinary nature of um, professions, uh, for me particularly in the um, primary and community care is something that we've we've really got to strive towards. So for me what would integration look like? It would be um, if, if we agree that people should only tell their story once then all parts of the um, system that support that person and their whanau should be able to see all the information that they need. They shouldn't be able to, they shouldn't have to ask them again because they should be able to find it. Uh, for those populations who really would benefit from a transdisciplinary approach to their care, uh, that those groups are easily able to form and work out what their scopes of practice and their contribution are uh, to the service of, uh, of those people, irrespective of setting. And the um, regulations and the contract and the funding and the settings allow them to do that. Uh, it that sounds um, incredibly uh, easy on one level or simple on one level but it's not at all um, you know most people are, are bound by their professional constructs by their cultural constructs um, by their um, by their funding by their contract mm -hmm. and uh, f for me I feel like we need to always give this a crack we need to keep continue continue like doing this because uh, uh, for both professionals, providers, people and their whanau um, is something that we all want. I don't necessarily think, I know the Ministry of Health will play a part in making this better, but I do think it requires quite a fundamental shift. It's interesting to me. Um, People have been saying equally for the length of time I've been in health that equity is incredibly important. But it only feels to me like in the last couple of years we've had those real below the layer conversations about what that actually means. And some of them have been uncomfortable and tricky. Mm. And I do think if we are going to really get into the kind of the real nub of what integration looks like, we're probably going to have to go there with that as well. Yeah. Um, and I, th and I hope, um, although I am hardwired optimist, I hope that we'll be able to get through those conversations and get to the other end. Um, if we look internationally, there aren't, um, you know, there aren't stunning examples of integration that haven't been without hardship. Mm. You know, they haven't, you know, they haven't had to really force some of that to get through to the next, uh, the next chapter. Of what it looks like, uh, so so for me, I think there is we're in a different uh, phase of willingness. We've really got to work out what our roles are in in making integration look different and better. And speaking of integration and how difficult it is, 
Uh, my final question to you is, do you see pharmacy as an integrated part of a multidisciplinary team? Absolutely. There's, there's no, um, you know, for me, one of the things that I find incredibly interesting is that uh, the and I would be interested in having this kind of dialogue with pharmacists, is it easier in hospitals because everybody's in the same setting? Do hospital pharmacists feel more integrated because they're in, they're in, a, in a confined space where you know everybody has to interact with, with each other in a certain way? I would probably say that even then, uh, some hospital hospital pharmacists might not feel as integrated as they would like, or fe- may feel that there's more work to be done. Uh, I I did uh, used to poke a little bit of fun uh, when I was in Gisborne, um when I would have conversations with uh, pharmacists about uh, the lack of integration, uh, perhaps with general practice, uh, and. Most of them, and for a long time, had sat next to each other <laughs> geographically. Mm. They were sometimes within the same building or next door. Yeah. They knew each other well. Mm-hmm. Uh, sometimes they were tenants <laughs> and landlords, and yet something about the um, uh, about the construct would would make it difficult mm. uh, for them to have uh, an integration conversation. And so, you know, what is the circuit breaker that we need uh, to make this different? It, it does um, give me a lot to think about in relation to pharmacy as, um, in, well, Gisborne is representative of a certain way in which pharmacy and general practice grew up together. That's not where we are with either pharmacy or general practice now. And so, you know, how do we get at a professional level and at a interoperability level through technology, how do we get get more integration happening? And I do think for me, um, it, there is something about the way in which the professional bodies work together. Um, there's certain things that we um, perhaps have responsibility for in the ministry around regulation and legislation and contracts where we could actually make it a lot easier. Mm. Uh, so I, on one level, I, I get a real conceptual sense of what the barriers are. And then, uh, then I often see examples of where that actually hasn't been a problem at all. Mm. So for me, I do think we have to imagine that we have a, um, a generation of uh, a generation of people coming through who perhaps want to have less enduring, quite okay about episodic interactions um, in ways that are quite different from what, how we imagine them to be. And then we're going to have a group of the population where we're really, really going to have to be quite tight um, in in teams working really uh, closely with uh, those populations and then we're going to have populations who for whatever reason that's incredibly difficult Um, these people uh, move around a lot Uh, they um, they, they, they're not always where we imagined they were going to be and so how do we really get integration 
in a ma- working, working in that kind of scenario. So I think that uh, f- pharmacy, in all my experience, has always been incredibly willing and have always kind of leaned in uh, to the conversation. And sometimes I've felt like they've been leaning in by themselves. Mm. But, it, I mean, it was good to, um, uh, here um, to see um, your colleagues from other um, professional groups mm. um, at this conference today. Uh, I think that's what it's all about. Yeah. I think there is a genuine um, a willingness to um, look at things differently. And I think most people would rather do it um, of their own evolution um, than to have someone like myself <laughs> telling them how, how they're going to do it. Yeah, definitely. Thank you very much for your time, Kiriana. I know that you need to head off to your plenary session. You're welcome. Um, but thanks again for your time. Thank you. Thank you. CollegeCast is brought to you by Sharina Vassan from the College Education and Training Business Unit of the Pharmaceutical Society of New Zealand. All views of our guests in these episodes are their own. <laughs>